I'm constantly inspired by the people who just build businesses out of nothing. They have an idea. They start to create something. They put it online. They sell it. They create something of value that other people want, and they magically build a business. And the stories, the examples of these people who do this stuff is like inspiration. It's oxygen that keeps me alive and gives me energy. And I'm so excited to share today's inspirational story with you, which is from someone who came to our event in Charleston, South Carolina, and has built a business out of nothing from that event. The extraordinary belongs to those that create it. Rebelling against business plans and debt, rebelling against what society expects of us to build cool businesses, make money, have fun and do good. Let's create something extraordinary together. Welcome to The Rebel Entrepreneur. Welcome to The Rebel Entrepreneur podcast. And I've been looking forward to this episode a lot. I have with me today, Elena. Elena, welcome to the show. Thank you, Alan. I'm happy to be here. And I'm fascinated to hear about your journey and what you've been doing. You came along to the Charleston pop-up in South Carolina at the beginning of last year, which was the last physical event we ran before the pandemic turned up. Yeah, pretty crazy. It was just a couple weeks before lockdown, but (laughs) it was a great time. So have you always thought about running your own business or has this been a recent idea? Was it a dream as a child? I must start a business. (laughs) No, it wasn't. Actually, I grew up very much on like the typical career track and I thought I would go to college slash university and study a good thing to study and have a good good job. And so I kind of did that. But I went to school for musical theater, which is not a very good career option, actually, (laughs) as it turns out, and ended up just kind of not really knowing what where I was going with my career. And it was never something I felt really called to do, whether that's start a business or any one field in particular, the business dream came kind of later in life. So did you just fall into a job after university? How did you choose? Did you just whatever was closest? Yeah. So I found out that I liked event planning because I liked attending events. (laughs) And so I thought, oh, fun. When you plan the event, then surely you get to be there for all the fun, glitz and glamour. And I didn't realize it was working nights and weekends till 3 a.m. And so I ended up working in a hotel for a while out of college slash university. And I ended up just kind of doing a bunch of random things. I did some contract work and uh, eventually I got a job working in finance. Ooh, (laughs) My journey has been very random, but the key is that I've kind of just followed where things led. And that's what led me to starting a business eventually. So how does getting a job in finance lead to starting your own business? Because you do not do finance now in any way, shape or form. I guess, well, let's tell people, what do you actually do? So I run a digital marketing agency. Social media is kind of my bread and butter called Elena Creative. And I do social media marketing, content marketing. It's an all-encompassing kind of thing. And your speciality is Pinterest. Yes. That's my key platform is Pinterest. I love that. And we are definitely going to be coming on to Pinterest, how you ended up on that. And if you've got any tips for us on how to use it. Yes. But how do you make the jump from finance to building a business? Like, where does that come in? How long were you in finance in your cubicle? What happened? So my finance job was very boring. (laughs) Um, If my boss is listening now, I had a good time. But the (laughs) the job itself was pretty boring. Like, they just didn't have enough work for me to do during the day. So I was even told at one time, we don't have more for you to do. So please just look busy. So I would just have spreadsheets up on my computer. And I was listening to podcasts. Ah, So that kind of got me into the possibilities that were available. So I, when I started listening to podcasts, I was like, well, what do I like? Traveling. Cool. So I found a travel podcast. And the specific travel podcast talked a lot about these people who did long term travel, 
and started businesses and then never came back to their jobs. And I was like, that's intriguing, right? So that is kind of what sparked the desire to have a business was I can travel and never have to sit in my boring <laughs> cubicle again. <laughs> so that was the germ of the idea. Uh, where did it go from there? So I was in finance for three, three and a half years. And Plenty of time to listen to podcasts and prepare. Lots of podcasts. And then my fiance and I decided we're going to quit and travel. And we made the decision, like I was planning to quit my job and we had flights booked. We were ready to go spend 2019 traveling abroad and kind of having like a little bit of a gap year. We had money saved up to do it. And then I quit my job or before I quit my job, I guess they actually offered this voluntary separation package. So I got paid to quit. Awesome. And that covered the entirety of our year of travel. Wow. And we weren't even expecting it. That's fantastic. So now you're on the road traveling with a dream to start something within the year so you never have to come home. Yeah. And we didn't go out with an idea of what kind of business we would start. We just kind of thought, you know, we're just going to go and we'll see what happens. And my fiance, Ben, we can talk about him by name. He's always had more of an entrepreneurial spirit than me. That's what he wanted to do since before college. Like he is this long-term wanting to start a business person and I was not. So he kind of not drug me along, but he had a lot of ideas (laughs) uh, that I got to participate in. It was definitely not any dragging along. He had this idea to start an apparel company. So we set up a Shopify store and just did print on demand clothing. And in order to do that, you have to have some designs on the clothing. So I started to learn graphic design and found that I really liked it. And that's kind of what got me rolling down my entrepreneur path. So you created some clothing, you created the graphics designs, you put it out to the world to sell. And the hope was that will be the income through the clothing selling. What happened? (laughs) How many t-shirts did you sell? What happened? So the idea was to grow it really big. And we already had a good audience on Instagram. He was a home brewer, Ben. So he brewed beer and had this Instagram account with a lot of followers. And so we thought, oh, great, we've already got some proof that people will want this. And we rolled it out. And it was just a bit slower than we expected. And the profit margin on those products is pretty small. Like, yes, we were maybe making $7 on a shirt, which I mean, is good. That's but not you have bad. To... That's better than some of them I've seen. But you have to That's sell a true. lot of shirts to That's be able true. to afford pizza. Yeah. <laughs> but even at $7, it was still not going to be the thing that became our, you know, full-time business. It was, we were probably selling maybe, I don't know, maybe one or two shirts a week. Okay. Um, So it wasn't bad, but again, not enough for rent. (laughs) What I'm starting to realize is actually t-shirts are a business that people cut their teeth on. Mm-hmm. It's something that they go, okay, I can get into this business. I understand it. Yeah. I wear them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I've got some ideas on something that's cool and it's a business people start. But it's actually a really hard business to make a lot of money at. You yeah. have to shift a lot of t-shirts. Mm-hmm. You have to find a niche. You have to find all these different things. And it's a tough business. But it can give you a good start to learning all of these different skills that you can roll into something else. So yeah. if anyone's listening to this... It's a great place to start and learn. Maybe it'll turn into something big, but most of the entrepreneurs I've met, they do t-shirts for a while and then take those skills into something else and that becomes their business. Yeah. I don't regret that we did it at all. I think if we would have put more time and effort into it and really, like, really, really committed to doing it as our full-time thing and paying more attention to marketing and that kind of stuff that we could have done a lot more in sales, but it was just, you know, we're traveling part of the time and we're like (laughs) trying to start a business and just kind of expecting it to, you know, sell itself. But that's not how it goes. (laughs) If you build it, they will come is the dream that you are sold. It's not true. Yeah. If you build it, no one comes until you market it and promote it. And that's actually a really big job. 
uh, which is funny because that's what you've ended up doing for other people. Yeah, that's a nice little uh, full circle moment. <laughs> so did you jump straight from the t-shirts, the homebrewing t-shirts to the marketing agency or was there something in between? So the in-between was I ended up getting just an hourly social media manager job for this woman who had a jewelry brand. And I met her through a friend of mine who had worked for her for a couple of years. And it was remote and I was really excited. And it was just a couple hours a week, I think maybe even like five or 10 hours a week. But at the time we were traveling, we were living in Bali. And so I was like, oh, great. Yes. Five or 10 hours of US dollars goes a long way in Indonesia. It does. Uh, (laughs) Even if that US dollars is a bit less than I would have liked to accept at the time. But it really got me learning about the whole world of social media. Like I knew that that was a way to market your business, but I really didn't know the ins and outs of it. I knew how I used it for my personal use, but I didn't know that there were apps that you could use to schedule Instagram posts or like, I don't know, really anything about it. So (laughs) I got to learn on the job, which is always a really, really important thing. I think uh, if you can find places to where you're able to learn a new skill while getting paid for it, that just is a pretty sweet deal. So yeah, I started with that. And at the time I was really thinking that I would be growing a graphic design business. I had learned graphic design from the t-shirts. I was totally self-taught. I watched a lot of YouTube videos. I spent a lot of time just kind of like messing around You learn some incredible skills that way. For sure. Yeah. And when you really have to do it all on your own, there's no, like nobody's holding your hand. You learn so much more. So that was a really cool thing to learn. And then, yeah, that was kind of where I saw my business going was I I have this little social media thing to pay the bills and I'm going to be a designer. (laughs) So with the designer bit, you saw that the designer was the way to go. So you dived in on that, Mm -hmm. but it didn't tick in your mind that, oh, someone's hired me to do social media management. Maybe there's more of those clients. Yeah, no, at the time, like I was not looking for more of that really. I really thought that design was what I wanted. And it wasn't really until I started working with design clients that I realized that it wasn't what I wanted. (laughs) Tell us more about that experience. (laughs) So... 2020, January of 2020 is when I officially launched my design business. I had set a date and I said, this is the day I'm going to publish my website and tell the world. So I did. And of course, if you build it, they will not come. Um, (laughs) So I posted about it on my personal Facebook and stuff and got a few people saying like, wow, congratulations. But I needed to still do the legwork and get some clients. So I started to ask people who, family and friends, do you know anybody who needs a website? Do you know anybody who needs a logo? And so those kind of people started to come out of the woodwork. A few people who needed... My first client was a web design client. And it was a simple Squarespace website. And I charged $300, which is very low. (laughs) But it's your first one. And I really want people to get this at home. Like it's the first one and it's okay. Well, it was really exciting to get paid. I was so, so excited. And it was a really good, a good vote of confidence. Like I can do this. Somebody is giving me money for the services that I'm providing. So once I landed that, I was all excited. And you, you kind of start to build momentum after that. And it got me thinking about more people that I could reach out to and that kind of thing. But the short version is I started working with this person and part of the the growing pains for the type of work that I was trying to do design is that you really have to have a clear structure for how you're going to set up the project and like communication and any kinds of revisions and all that kind of stuff. And I thought that I had set that up clearly, but I really hadn't. (laughs) So that was kind of a learning curve type of thing. And then, yeah, I'm not exactly sure why I decided that it wasn't the right fit, but it just didn't feel right. It didn't feel right. So was there a particular moment where you went, this is not it? Or was it a gradual buildup? What happened? Well, now that I'm thinking about it, what really happened was I saw 
my future in this business and saw that I was going to have to be hustling hard for clients every single month to be able to have a full roster and to make this a full-time job. And that was kind of the part that I didn't like very much was finding new clients. And so the catalyst was finding something recurring and design was not it because you make you a logo a for somebody and-, and it's done. So then the decision is, how can I find a different type of work that's recurring so that I have clients that stay with me longer? And I've had a very similar experience when I first started selling training courses. Mm. I was selling public courses and you put on a course on a day and there's 10 spaces and you have to sell 10 individuals to fill one course. And when it's done... It's done. <laughs> then you've got to sell another one. Whereas what I later worked out is if I sold to corporate organizations, I'd sell once and then they would fill a course with 10 people over the next year, all sorts of different people going on. And it was far nicer for me. It was far nicer for them. It worked way better for me. And I think now, given my knowledge, I think I'd be better at selling open courses and I am. But at the time... That was difficult. You needed to fill that pipeline Mm -hmm. continuously. And I was not skilled at sales. (laughs) Yeah. And again, like with the t-shirt business, it's not something that I think is a bad business model. Like some people are really good at that. I just am not one of them. Or at the time I wasn't feeling, you know, strong enough in my sales abilities to be able to do that. Now I think it might be a different story because I've learned a lot since those first You've developed some skills. Yes, Yes, it's interesting. So you made the decision to change. Did you know what you were going to change to? Well, we'll circle back to the uh, social media work that I was still doing. The answer was really in front of me the whole time. (laughs) Like somebody has been paying me every single month to do this work. And were they getting good results out of it? Because you were selling, you were promoting their jewelry. Was it working for them? It was working okay. (laughs) I don't want to like sell myself short. I was doing a good job, but I wasn't in charge of the strategy of... Okay, you were implementation. Yeah, I was just really like a virtual assistant, scheduling things and rating the captions and that kind of thing. So it worked okay. But once I made the shift to, oh, I could do social media, another client literally referred to me from the same girl who referred me the jewelry person. How did Um, that happen? Did she know you changed? Work doesn't often just magic its way into your life. How did this happen? So this woman reached out to me in, in January, actually, of 2020, I guess. She was just hiring on some job board website for a social media person. And my friend applied. They had an interview. And then my friend ended up going in a different direction But she said, you know what, who would be a good fit for this is my friend Elena. So I spoke to that woman in January. And at the time she said, oh, you know, I am not going to end up moving forward with a virtual assistant to do my social media, but it was great to meet you. And then five months later, she reached out again and said, hey, I actually have more work now. I'd love for (laughs) you to come help me. So I said, Sure. Cool. <laughs> and she, this, this was my first experience with a rate raise too. So my original social media person that I was working for, I ended up working for this new woman at $10 an hour more. So that was just like really exciting. Like, oh, people are paying more for this. I could probably charge even more. Like, <laughs> <laughs> So that was yeah a very cool step up in my social media journey. Interesting. So now you've got two social media clients. Is that when it clicked? There's more here. There's more I could do. Yeah. So that's when I really decided to let graphic design go and move forward with social media. And I wasn't even sure what it was going to look like. Pinterest had not even crossed my mind. At the time, I was doing Instagram and some Facebook, but mostly just Instagram. And one of the those two women who I was working with had a Pinterest course that I took for doing Pinterest for her, uh, the jewelry brand. So I was like, wow, this is kind of interesting. But then I just used that knowledge for her Pinterest and I didn't think about it again until a few months later. 
<laughs> and I couldn't tell you why I decided to do Pinterest. I wish I had a better story. Is that what you went out and marketed to people was I do Pinterest sales, I do Pinterest marketing? How did you first start to market yourself this time round? So this time I was really looking for social media jobs. I was kind of not giving up, but I was like, ah, <laughs> oh, you know, I found both of these people through a friend who found them on a job board. Maybe I just need to keep finding Go people on, the job, on job boards. boards. Yeah. So that's kind of where I was looking. So I was looking for Instagram management jobs or like social media manager jobs on various job boards. Um, and just wasn't really finding much. And I tried in that time too, I was putting myself out on Upwork and Fiverr and some of the other freelancing sites. But those really weren't working out much for me either. I, there's a lot more competition on there now than there has been in years past. So it just felt really hard to stand out. It's a huge growing marketplace. Mm -hmm. People are launching businesses, people are hiring people, and it's a way to make money. Yeah. And the competition now is global because you've got people in India who are offering it at very cheap rates. It's completely changed the game, but it is still a way you can land business through there. Yeah, absolutely. I know people personally who have success on those platforms, but I was not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you find like, okay, so you've looked for jobs. You've not really found any. You've done some Fiverr, Upwork, that sort of bit. You've not really had success there. Yeah. Like what inspired you to keep going? Because surely at this point you're thinking, do I keep going? Do I not? That's a good question. So in 2020, we were house sitting. You know, we were in COVID lockdown for a while, but because of our year of travel, we had sold all of our possessions and didn't really have a home. <laughs> so just being locked down in the middle of the US, which is where we're from, where we are currently, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Tulsa, Oklahoma. <laughs> is a lovely place. But in the wintertime, it was really hard to be locked down here. So we started a house sit across the country. And because of that, we had kind of some extra buffer room with our savings. So I gave myself a deadline. By the end of 2020, I'm going to give up and get a job if I haven't made this work. <gasps> So there was the deadline. Mm -hmm. And then like, how did you come up with the plan of what to do next? I don't know if I had a plan. I You just did stuff. Well, just every day I knew I had to do something. So I did something. Some days it was, you know, watch YouTube videos to learn new skills. Some days it was try and look for clients or jobs or whatever. And then, like I said, I don't know the exact moment, but there there came a time when I was like, Pinterest in one of my daily actions, maybe I saw it on YouTube or something, but it just kind of jogged my memory that, oh, I took this course on Pinterest. I know how to do this pretty well. And I actually even, I bought another Pinterest course because that one that I had originally taken wasn't my property. It was somebody else's that I used while I was working for her. And this new course, I just dove right into it. It wasn't too long. It was maybe like four hours or something. So I just kind of binge watched it over a weekend. And and then I was like, I, I don't know. Something about that course made me feel confident that I could do... You could do it. I could do it. I loved Pinterest. As when it first came out, I was just obsessed with it. I was planning my <laughs> wedding before I even had a boyfriend. I was like pinning all these crafts, all the things that you do on Pinterest. Yeah, I was just really excited by the prospect of it. And then my fiance gave me some really good advice. He was like, you need to start looking for clients and do this if you want to do it. And I was like, oh, I still kind of was in that build it and they will come mentality. Like, but I have the skills now. Doesn't everybody know that I could do <laughs> Pinterest for them? Um, I'm just sensing I am the Pinterest goddess. Yeah. Come to me. <laughs> But, you know, we, we had this deadline. So he sat down and we talked kind of we talked through how I might find clients. And what we decided on was just brainstorm a huge long list of people that you really love, you know, whether it's influencers or businesses or, you know, whatever people that I personally consume their content and like their products and all that kind of stuff. 
Sounds like the basis of the Dream 100 strategy. Who would you most like to work with? Who are the dream clients? I bet that's where he got it. I don't think I forgot about that strategy. I'm so sorry. No, no, (laughs) don't apologize. Like it doesn't matter where it comes from. It matters that you did it and you had that idea of who do I actually want to work with? And that's a great place to start. And actually, you've got several items here. You've got one you were a user of Pinterest and loved it. Mm -hmm. Two, you learned how to use it as a business and got excited about it. And three, you had this idea of who do I actually want to work with? And there's some, there's some passion and energy going on here that cannot help to come out when you're actually doing it. So you've got the list. What did you then do with it? How did you create the list? Where did you start? You just went on Pinterest and looked for people you liked or? Well, I I didn't even think about Pinterest first. I just kind of thought about people I liked because I needed to just be free to dream big about who it could be. So I can't even think of some of the quote unquote big names that I put on there, but I put some people who felt like a huge stretch that would never, ever work with me in a million years. Spoiler alert, one of them now I work with. (laughs) (laughs) So... I think I just needed to not think about if they needed Pinterest or not even to get started. I just needed to think about who I wanted to work with because that kind of got me in the mindset of the type of person that I wanted to work with and thinking big enough to think about people who had successful businesses who would actually pay for my services at the rate that I believed that I should be paid, uh, which is very important. So yeah, I've got the list. And I started kind of with a small fish, I guess. <laughs> She's a person, not a fish. Uh, <laughs> but it was somebody that I knew. She teaches kind of mindset work and that kind of thing. And she has this Facebook group where you pay to be a part of it. And you it's like this monthly mindset affirmations type group. And I really love being a part of the group. I met a lot of cool people in there. So you were already her customer. So I was already her customer. And in that group too, you're posting every single day, like about gratitudes and things in your life. So you kind of get to know people. So she kind of knew me already, even though we had never met. And I was like, she's the kind of person I want to work with. I love the content that she puts out. I love her vibe. I love her message. And so I just, I messaged her on Instagram and I said, Hey, I think Pinterest would be a really good fit for your business. So back up, I did actually research and see if Pinterest would be a good fit for her business, because that was (laughs) a very important piece of this to reach out to her and know I could provide value and not that she already has a huge Pinterest presence or that she's not a good fit for it. So we can talk more about this in the Pinterest specific episode, but a big piece of the Pinterest strategy is to have content. So she had some really good blog content, good video content, Instagram So she had this kind of like body of content that I knew I could send traffic to from Pinterest. So I reached out to her. I said, I think this would be a good fit for your business. And I actually with her gave her a, um, what did I call it? Like a, not a case study rate, but kind of like a, a lower rate in exchange for a testimonial. What in that first message on Instagram? Mm Mm-hmm. And I so even you went gave her the price. straight in with mm-hmm. the price. Wow. I know. I'm not sure I would recommend that. No, no. I think that maybe don't listen to this advice. Well, it worked. <laughs> it worked. It worked. I think a big piece of it was that relationship. You her, already having had. Having already known me. Like uh, no trust. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So she was my very first Pinterest And she client. just said yes back. She didn't say yes in the message, but we got on a call and she didn't even say yes on the call. She said, let me think about it. And within a few hours, she had said, yes, let's do it. So another like growing pains thing that I didn't do was have her sign on for a certain contract or like say when her rate was going to raise because I had given her this like bonus rate. rate. So then people expect to pay what they've initially paid ad finitum. Well, she was an interesting anomaly in that case too, because after a few months, she was like, I'm not paying your full rate. I need to pay you more. <gasps> That's not normal. <laughs> no, it's You must not. have been doing a good job. Yes, I will toot my own horn and say I do a very good job with her account. <laughs> uh, she's still my client today. But yeah, that was also not normal. So <laughs> take I this story that. with a grain of salt, everybody. So there's a couple of things I'd love to highlight for the people listening. Number one is when you were dreaming up your list of clients, 
you went for people with money. And I think that is really important because you've realized I need clients that can afford me. And if the clients don't have a business that is generating income, how can they pay you monthly? How can they afford the rates? And I think so many people, when they're launching marketing businesses and different businesses, they go, I need to sell to entrepreneurs who are starting up. When they're starting up, what do they not have? Mm -hmm. Clients, money, it's difficult. And I think I've repeated this on the course a huge amount. Sell to people with money. If you sell to people with money, it's so much easier because they're making money and they can see the value because it'll help them make more money. Yes. And it just makes life so much easier. So I really wanted to highlight that for everyone listening. When you're choosing your target market... When you're choosing people you want to work with, pick people with money. And that is a fantastic starting point. It's a lot harder to sell to someone with not much cash or who doesn't have the need because they don't have a business operating in that way. So you've got your first client. You're out at the races. You've sent an Instagram message. Did you just send one message in your one for one? Or <laughs> were you not rejected? Have you just got the golden touch, Elena? No, I don't have the golden touch. <laughs> so my strategy after that was to start sending cold emails. I graduated from Instagram messages. Hang on, this is an important point. I knew my first client spends a lot of time on Instagram. And I know that she replies to her messages and stuff like that. So I knew she'd see me there. That's so where you could connect. Exactly. I wasn't sure the email was going to be as strong of a place for her to see it. And so I wasn't just kind of like randomly like, oh, I'll message her on Instagram. So that's an important thing to think about too. Where Where is that person going to see your message? But from there, I found the most success with cold emails. Did you? And I also found a lot of rejection with cold emails. And a lot of people just ghosting you, like not replying. A lot. I think that's normal. <laughs> that's the biggest one. And it's nothing to do with you. Yeah. I, I get more emails than I can respond to. Mm -hmm. I'm literally inundated. And if you're listening to this and you've emailed me and I've not responded, please don't take it personally. I love you. I just get more than I can respond to. Yeah. And so like literally there are days and sections of my email inbox where I haven't responded to anyone because there's too many. I, I could either go out for barbecue food with my wife or reply to emails and... She wins most of the time. When I'm on a flight, I get backwards. But yeah, you get lots of people will ghost you, mm. but you have to send it out there. You have to, if you're not pushing out there. Yeah. So how did you find the confidence like to just keep sending emails? Well, I think the confidence came from the fact that I got a yes. That's naturally going to make you feel good. But then after that, I just started to see her Pinterest account, all of the metrics were trending upward. We were, were gaining they? followers. We were gaining monthly viewers as another big one on Pinterest and clicks to her website. And just seeing it all trending up, I was like, I'm doing this. I'm actually doing it. So that made me feel like I really could provide the value in my cold emails and that I wasn't just kind of like, I don't know, bullshitting everybody. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I that gave me the confidence to say, hey, I've looked at your Pinterest account. I know that I can see growth with your account because I've done my research and I've done it for somebody else. So I, I didn't feel like I was kind of desperately asking people to work for them. I was saying, what I do is going to benefit you. And I really like what you do too. Because again, I'm looking from my dream list of people who I love. So that connection of I've bought your product or I've listened to your podcast or whatever, that was what actually got me to see success. The people who ghosted me were people I didn't have a strong connection with. Interesting. Yeah. I guess you can sense it when you get that email through from someone and it says, no, I actually love your stuff. Mm -hmm. I love what you do. You can sense that and you're more likely to connect with them. So how many emails were you sending a week? Was it one a day? Was it five a day? Did you motivate yourself to a strategy? Yeah, my goal was four a day. I didn't always hit that. It was probably average, maybe like one or two a day. Um, yeah, things didn't really... I actually ended up in that time taking on a graphic design client, like which was a <laughs> weird step backwards because I was still kind of in this phase of I have some clients, but not enough. 
well, then you just take what work comes. Exactly. I mean, I've been there. <laughs> I don't have enough work. You want me to mow the grass? <laughs> I mean, it was just taking what comes and then you get a bit more discerning later on yes exactly (laughs) uh this graphic design client was particularly difficult but it was that feeling of at this time i guess in the timeline we're now maybe in like august september so i was like oh the end of 2020 is coming and i have a pinterest client the end is coming client Mm -hmm. (laughs) so that made me feel very very desperate to say yes And it was a very bad experience. Which quite often, it's when you're desperate and you say yes to something that you've got a feeling this is not quite right, Mm -hmm. but you take it anyway. And I think we've all been there. It's just challenging having the strength internally to listen to your feeling and go, I shouldn't do that. I should wait for the next thing that comes on. What would the advice be to everyone out there based on that? Trust your feelings. Mm -hmm. Like you're... Your feelings tell you, you will get a feeling inside you. Mine is normally around my chest and my stomach. I have a feeling and I know whether it's right or wrong. And even sometimes I enunciate what could go wrong and then do it anyway. Mm. And it's never, never good when that happens. So if you get that feeling, pay attention to the feelings. When a client comes forward and asks you to do something, if it doesn't feel right, Maybe talk to them and call it. Maybe just say no, like, but do something. Don't ignore the feeling. Yes, 100%. So you're now ramping up, sending, you hope, four emails a day. Like, how long does that take to translate into client two? Did client two come? Client two did come. <laughs> they did. And client two, it was not a Pinterest client. They now are my, what I'd call my anchor client. So my Ooh. largest amount of monthly, my hours each month are spent with them. And I do social media work, all of the things, but Pinterest is a big part of that as well. And I actually saw them through, they were just hiring like a traditional job application type of way. So it didn't even come through the cold outreach. No, I didn't. Which is interesting. Sometimes you do all this work, put the energy out, and then the business turns up out of left field and you're not even expect it. Yeah. But if you weren't doing the cold outreach, I bet you it wouldn't have shown up like that. And it's strange how the universe works. Yeah, exactly. So I had a connection with them, though, as well, which was just, we're seeing a theme here, right? So it was these two women who started a company where they teach courses for basically people who want to become a digital nomad, which was my whole thing. That's what you wanted to do. Yeah. And I had been following them since the boring office days. <laughs> I was in their free Facebook group. Like I knew who they were. I was on their email list. I had seen their course sales. I knew what their product was, but I never bought it because I taught myself everything. I probably would have learned it a lot faster if I had bought their courses, <laughs> but there's, there's merit to both taking a course and learning it on your own. But anyway, I I was on their email list. So I got this notification that they were hiring a social media expert, not even manager. And I said, I kind of do social media. I should do this. And so I applied. I put a lot of work and time into my application and it worked out. Fantastic. So did the cold emails, have they started to translate? Have you bought in any business through this cold email marketing strategy? Since that big client came in, I've had a few come in through my cold emails as well. And I've had some cold emails too, who I really thought were going to work out. And I got on the phone with them and had a great time and it just didn't work too. So there's, I've gotten clients and I've gotten almost clients and I've gotten ghosted. I've gotten everything, but the cold email strategy, I don't think that I would have the business that I do today if I hadn't had the courage to send those emails because I was waiting. I was waiting for them to come to me. (laughs) If you're waiting, you'll be waiting a long, long time. And I only know that because I spent some time waiting when I started. Well, and the thing is with the emails too, I just had to get over myself. Like what's the worst that can happen? They won't respond or what's the worst that can happen? They'll say, absolutely not. Don't get out of my inbox. No, nobody will even do that. Like I just had to get over this fear of feeling stupid or I don't even know what it was. But once you get over that, it's really easy to just kind of churn those out. So how did you get over it? 
Um, I think it's just practice and having people be nice to you. But how do you how do you send the first few? Did you well, force yourself deadline. to it? Oh, it was the deadline. <laughs> it was the okay. end of 2020. I was like, I've got to make it work. <laughs> I have to do something. Yeah. That's interesting. So the practical advice to people listening is give yourself a deadline and take big action. Yeah. The deadline, I think, was really helpful. Even though it wasn't super looming, it was looming enough. And I knew I didn't want to go back to a job. And the other thing with COVID was that I couldn't go back to a job. My worst case scenario was always, oh, I'll go work in a restaurant. Or I'll go back and work in the office. But none of those things were even really happening. So that was even more fire to make remote work for yourself work. So we're now June of 2021. So obviously you passed your (laughs) test and survived. How is the business going? How has it grown? It's going really well. So I have, like I said, I've got that one anchor client who I do social media for. And then I've got a smattering of Pinterest clients still. And that kind of comes and goes. Some people leave, some people come and I still am cold emailing. But now the majority of my Pinterest business comes from referrals. So it, I know that that's really annoying that people say that because you're like, okay, but how can I even get a referral if I can't even get a client? Well, you have to do the cold emailing. You have to do the marketing. You have to do all the sales. And then after you've done that for a while, people start to know if you need Pinterest help, go to Elena. And I think you've found a niche within social media. So it's not even like if you need social media, go to Elena, it's specifically Pinterest. And then, well, you've got a lot less competition if you just focus on that one thing. Talk about niche marketing, which I'm a big fan of. Choose a niche, focus on it, become famous. It's easier to get famous for Pinterest than it is to get famous for social media as a global giant thing. Definitely. So I'd love to know, well, I think I'm going to ask you two questions in this order. Number one is, like, if you had tips for someone who was starting out, like, what worked, what didn't, and what would the summary of that advice be? And the second question is going to be about social media or Pinterest, if someone's looking to create traffic and create sales, where did they start? Mm. Like, how do they even get going? Because it's a subject we haven't really touched on the podcast Mm. yet, but we need to. (laughs) So first question, what have you learned building this business? And what would you not do? And what would you do more of in the future? Well, I've learned a lot of things. But the biggest thing that I always tell people is to just start. It's simple. And I know it's hard because there's a million reasons why it's hard to start and why you are feeling like you can't. But if you don't take the steps, it's not going to happen. So that was a really, really big moment for me is when I decided I just have to take the action every day, even if it's tiny, just do something. What made you decide that? It's the the deadline. The deadline. (laughs) It's all back to the deadline. We had to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And we've touched on this a bit, but say no to things that don't feel right was very important for me. And I guess that's more in what I would do differently next time. Yes. I said yes to a lot of things because I thought it was for the right reason. I thought it was because I was trying to make money and I I needed the money. But if your gut tells you that it's not right. Or even you don't, it doesn't have to even be a big red flag. But even if you're just like, oh, I don't know if I want to work with that business. Like an example is one of the people I worked with was a dog medium. She spoke to dead dogs, I guess. And I know for some people, that's probably like a dream client. But for me, it wasn't. So I think you just have to find the people who feel right to you and say no to the ones that don't. I love that. So start, take action, just make it happen. Yeah. Watch out for the feelings Mm -hmm. because they will come and you will get someone asking you to do something that doesn't feel right. Say no and focus on finding the right people. I think my last thing before I forget is that I've dealt with some extreme imposter syndrome. So I've really struggled with not feeling like I know enough or not feeling like I am doing the right thing or I don't know. I've been wrestling with that a lot as I've built my business, thinking I'm not a social media expert. I'm. They asked for an expert. <laughs> exactly. But who is the expert? I don't know. Why can't it be me? What I learned is that the people who are 
the most successful aren't the best. The people who are the best, they haven't taken the action. Well, that's not always true, but I think what I'm just trying to say is like, you're not alone and in feeling like you're worried about not knowing enough or whatever imposter feelings you're feeling. But I don't know. I learned that it goes back to just start. You'll never learn the things you need to learn. You'll never get the clients you need to get to learn the things you need to learn if you don't start. And you can learn along the way. Yeah. there. <laughs> I don't know if that's quite eloquent, but I hope you know what I'm trying to say. Well, I think it's, I have it too. I still get it to this day. I've started doing the Rebel Entrepreneur coaching series where I help people and depending on their business type, I'm like, I know nothing about their business. Mm -hmm. And I have a moment of doubt, is my advice going to actually help them? Can I help them? Is it going to work? Like, it's just me. I just make this stuff up <laughs> like I do. <laughs> just like, let's try this and have a go. Let's run a mini experiment. And I have an idea and we implement it. And I get over it by starting and sometimes it doesn't work. Like I've told people to do things. And in the early days of the Christina episode, she was sending emails and it wasn't working. Mm. And I think we were both thinking, <laughs> Alan's telling me to do this. Is it going to work? Are we going to get new business? And it's interesting. Like I still get it. I think it's natural. I think the people who get somewhere are the ones who don't let it stop them. Mm. They go, I am feeling like an imposter or I'm feeling like I'm nervous and I will acknowledge said feeling and then dive in anyway because there are times when feelings are trying to protect you and that's not helpful and you just have to go for it. And the people who make it are the ones who go, I'm just going to give it my best shot. Mm. Might not be the expert. Don't tell the world. I might not be the expert. I'm just going to have a go. Mm -hmm. So I'd love everyone listening to this just to have a go. I think that's the advice, isn't it? Just test, just do, just yes. have a go. Yes. Experiment is one of my favorite words, even in social media. Like I'm all about experiments. You just, that's the best way to figure out what works and you just got to give it a go. Try a bunch of stuff, see what works and then measure it and then do it again which it sounds like you do a lot of measuring afterwards. So you test a bunch of stuff, measure it, and then report on the metrics. Mm -hmm. How important are the metrics of traffic, click-through rate, followers, subscribers, all of those different things? How important are the metrics for you? Well, I'll give you a very clear answer. It depends. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it totally depends on your goals. And like, I will say... The biggest thing is that followers don't actually equal success. I've seen people with a thousand followers make millions of dollars a year and a people with a hundred thousand followers make not nothing. do well. Yeah. yeah. So there are some vanity metrics to be sure, but it is important to see, especially on Pinterest, a big piece of it is, are you getting traffic to the website? Because that's what, if my clients have set their sites up correctly, they're going to lead their new people into a funnel that's going to get them to buy something and they'll become a customer, not just a number in the Pinterest analytics. You know what I mean? Yes. And then it actually leads to where they want it to, which is how you get rehired. Mm -hmm. So the final thought that I'd love to do is if people are inspired to get started with Pinterest, well, A, why would they get started with Pinterest? And B, like, how would you even start to think about it for a business? So the biggest misconception with Pinterest is that it's a social media platform for people who are redecorating their house or something like that. Pinterest at its core is a search engine, not a social media platform, which means that as a business, you have the opportunity to get your content in front of people who don't know who you are. So you don't have to have a lot of followers on Pinterest for a lot of people to see your content. If you're using the correct keyword strategies, like for example, if somebody's searching for what's a good example, <laughs> um, I just started with a baby blanket company as a new client. So if somebody's searching for baby blanket, I'll research the different types of keywords that are around that. And there are ways that we can do that, uh, that I can get into in more detail at a later time. But yeah, find topics that are related to that. Think about what people who are your ideal customer, what are they searching for? 
and use those words in your Pinterest content so that it will get shown to them as they're searching for those things. As a business, let's see, Pinterest does really well for non-location specific businesses. So if you're a location specific business, it could be a good strategy for you. However, there are more people searching for like wedding photography inspiration in general on Pinterest than rather than wedding, wedding photography Tulsa, Oklahoma. Exactly. Yeah. But if you are a product business or you sell a digital product or course or something like that, Pinterest is a really good fit for you because people are searching for everything on Pinterest <laughs> from manifestation to baby blankets to juice cleanses. Like I've had a whole wide range of customers that I've worked with. And yeah. Is there anyone it wouldn't work for? If you don't have either a product or blog content, it probably won't work for you. Okay. Having a blog is a really important thing because not only are people on Pinterest searching for something that they're interested in, but they're searching for how-to guides and that kind of thing. And so a lot of the strategy for using Pinterest is to send people who are searching for those things to your blog where you answer their question and then they trust you and then you send and then them your they product. connect with <laughs> you, you gain their email address and then you yes. grow. Fantastic. Well, like this is a huge subject we could get into. I know. There's so much more to say. I don't want to leave you all hanging, but we'll get more into it, I hope, in the future. We will. We're planning another episode on specifically how to use Pinterest to grow your business, which I think will be fantastic. If there was one thing you'd tell people to test, like what should they do to test? Should they look up keywords? Should they do a test with a pin? Should they think about it? Like, what's one thing that people could actually take away? Like, we've got huge takeaways with imposter syndrome just starting marketing from the main episode. I'm just wondering if there's one thing in Pinterest that people could do that might lead to something. The best way to test it, I think, would be to try pinning once a day and see what happens there. It's hard because there's so many little things to think about, like, how to optimize your graphics correctly and how to write your description. And so I think if you're going to just get started with it, set up a business account because that is going to give you the analytics and stuff like that. And then just try pinning once a day and I'll leave you with that. Excellent. And we will circle back to do a specific episode, helping people to use Pinterest and make progress on that. Elena, thank you for sharing your learnings on the journey to building that business. I really appreciate it. And if people want to find out more about you, where do they go? Well, I'm Elena Creative on all social media channels and elenacreative.com. Elena is spelled A-L-A-Y-N-A creative.com. Perfect. So check out Elena Creative and what she's up to. Thank you so much for sharing your energy. And the last thing I'd like to leave you with is exactly what Elena said, which is start. Get out there and start. The magic in is in taking action. Thank you for listening to The Rebel Entrepreneur. Start now. You can have any life you want to. Choose to build something cool. Choose to take action. Choose to work to make your dreams become reality. Stand out. Be different. Be yourself. Be a rebel entrepreneur.